Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, Seattle. Hey, PJ Sound. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and your Commodore cocktails. Thanks for tuning in this Saturday night. Hope you're having a great September. It's uh, Husky football, Seahawk football, and harvest time. Um, I am on my track for the Master Sommelier degree. Uh, it is a degree. <laughs> like uh, 234 degrees Fahrenheit. It's a hot one to get. And uh, I'm so proud of our, our local crew here, Elton Nichols, uh, James Lechner, Rob Ord, and Tyler Allen. They've all passed the Master Sommelier exam. I'm so proud of them and so happy uh, because now i got someone to you know lean on to help me get through this uh, examination. It will be my first time, and I always said when I'm ready to do it, I'm going to Krug it, and uh, that's the plan, or chant it, something like that. Uh, and I'm really honored to have had uh, an opportunity today to hang out with my pal Rob Ord and uh, Jillian Balance, who is a master sommelier, um, one of 29 female master sommeliers in the world, I believe, actually in the galaxy, for sure. We've uh, confirmed that. And we had a great tasting with Treasury Wine Estates, the Luxicon portfolio. We did a wine uh, blind tasting. And um, let's get her on the show. Hey, Jillian Balance, welcome to Happy Hour. Great to be here. Thank you. Uh, thanks for, for taking time this Saturday night to come out here to the studio to uh, share some time with me, talk about your story, and of course, talk uh, share some great wines. Um, tell me, how did you get into wine? Um, actually, I was a ballet dancer um, from age four to oh, my early 20s and got a scholarship to New York University wow. when I went to college there. And... Um, by proxy, you kind of fall into the restaurant business. Oh, okay. Because um, you're getting paid $50 per dance performance that you do. And um, and I just fell in love with wine. It, it I gravitated towards it, and um, the rest is history. My first job was Windows on the World. Um, oh, with nine really? eleven being yesterday, um, it's a very, um, you know, kind of heartfelt Sure. Time for me, um, but that is where my career started. We had a hundred and fifty thousand bottles, um, twenty five hundred selections. What year is this? Um, so that was in nineteen ninety four. Wow. Yeah, and and back then, you know, people really came to restaurants to learn about wine. This is true. And now they don't have to do Fine that anymore. So I mean, it wasn't every restaurant had wine. It, it was... wasn't everyone, but but you know, the ones that had large programs and large cellars people would come there to seek out certain things and that you couldn't, you know, there wasn't the same like internet buying and auctions and you came to the restaurants to learn about wine. And that, I feel very blessed that I kind of started my sommelier journey at that point. Well, very, very significant person who was uh, helming the, uh, pr- the the program there. Kevin Zraley and Zraley. Andrea Robinson, um, who was one of the first female master sommeliers in the world, was a big influence on my career. So Neat. yeah, I, I feel blessed. That's very blessed. And I look at my career, I, I really didn't get that into, in, uh, you know, I met Shane like in 2002. And I know he That's was a studying. Blessing. It was a blessing. <laughs> and uh, my, my track started a little later and it still continues. But what I find is that we're all on our own journey. Absolutely. And mine started much later too. I mean, I, 
I passed the MS exam when I was um, 42. So I was I was a late bloomer for sure. I was not <laughs> I was not trying to fast track it. Um, I I um, took all of my experiences and that's that's what worked for me. And it sounds like that's what's working for you too. I've been fortunate to have a lot of experiences. Although I think you're younger than me, but but. <laughs> ah, um, uh-huh, Rose, is that that's that great. It's all that one resveratrol I've been drinking. <laughs> that's all that red wine. Yeah. That's it. Um, I've uh, I'd really dig studying. Um, it, I, I was not a book guy for a long time because I was mm. too smart. Yeah. And I was like, ah, I don't got time for this. Yeah. But now I'm just so hungry and I just want to learn. I want to share. I think it's not so much being a selfish thing. It's like, God, I, I can't wait to learn this so I can share it with all my friends who are curious but are ashamed or embarrassed to ask the question. And that's what holds a lot of people back. I've never been embarrassed. And as <laughs> I mean, as you saw today, I, I give up all my secrets. I, I, I mean, you know. Well, it's sharing. It's the mentorship part. It's like, hey, this is what I did. And, you know, it worked for me, but maybe it'll work for you. I don't know. Yeah, there's there's got to be a little bit of fake it till you make it <laughs> so, thing going on, too. So, so as Master Sommelier, what city were you in when you passed? Um, well, I passed in Dallas. Dallas. I was living in Napa, but yeah, I passed okay. in Dallas. Excellent. And what was your first wine gig outside of uh, Windows of the World and once you've achieved the Master Sommelier Diploma? Um, first, oh, well, so... When I achieved the Master Sommelier Diploma, I was the wine director at Cavallo Point in Sausalito, California. Wow, that sounds ritzy. So, yeah, it is. It's a beautiful property. Got a grand award um, last year, so after I left. I feel like throughout my career, I've been chasing that grand award program, but just haven't gotten there. It's always like when I'm gone. Well, this, well, this <laughs> is interesting to me because to, to see that, obviously, in the world of sommeliers, we all look for the, the next color pin. Mm-hmm. I'm chasing my green. I'm chasing the gold. And I wondered, would I be satisfied at that point? I mean, because there's a life journey. Like, okay, I did it, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm itching. I'm, you know, chomping at the bit for something else. I um, just got my approved program provider through WSET, so I can teach excellent level two and level three. I can administer exams, so that's you know one thing. But it's just like, okay, what do you do next? I right. almost wish I could start the journey all over again, well, but have it be free. <laughs> have it not cost anything <laughs> right i'm wondering and, and are the wines have the wines changed when you and when you look back at, at tasting wines blind yeah. have they changed for you over yes. the course of, of climate absolutely change? yeah but i mean you have to if you're if you're approaching wine from an examination standpoint you have to know that nothing non-classic will will be in your exam so uh, right. they're not going to try to trick you with an underripe California wine that's <laughs> trying to be old world in style. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it'll be very um, classic things, but but certainly that's that exists. And there's, you know, so much crossover these days of old world trying to become more new and new world trying to become more old. <laughs> so. Right. Because they, they, they tend to want to have a, a marker, an impression, um, a style. Yeah, get, and points. get points. Get points. Well, I, I mean, who's old world? Who does that? Is that uh, Tanzer? Is he the old world guy? Or mm-hmm. is it uh, Spurrier, I guess it might be? Or yeah, definitely. Versus, of course, the, the Parker-esque, which... Yeah. And he's kind of quiet these days. I know that he's got some health issues. Um, we're talking about Robert Parker. Um, but, but regardless, you are now working in a great portfolio with a great host of wines. Uh, talk about this. Amazing portfolio. And we just did a, like you said, a luxury tasting today. So we consider our luxury wines to be anything that retails above... 
you know, twenty, twenty-five dollars because that's that's a big spending limit for a lot of people in the United States and yeah. justifiably so, right? Um, we're blessed to be exposed to really the top percentages of I was going to say wine in the world. exposed to wholesale <laughs> and exposed to wholesale yeah um, but uh, but so we consider luxury to be anything over that kind of $25 price point and um, Treasury has I think um, four or five properties that are 150 years old yeah. so we really buy into the history um, Matt Matt uh, Stamp, who's a good Matt friend, Stamp, yes, Master brilliant, Sommelier brilliant Master Sommelier, and just opened a wine bar in Napa, and people ask him all the time because Napa prices are are really getting so high these days. <laughs> Still, and and people are like, "Where's the ceiling? How do I find bargains in Napa?" Well, Napa itself is related to luxury, right? right? Even back in the eighteen hundreds. The rich and 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 socialites of San Francisco were traveling up there to enjoy the, the Mediterranean, yeah. you know, kind of European lifestyle, and nothing's changed um, <laughs> except but, the traffic and the horses. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Matt says, you know, you really have to look at the properties that have been doing it the longest. Agreed. To find the the value, and so for us here today, you know, we have Beaulieu Vineyards, which was founded in 1900, surviving prohibition, one of the very few wineries to do so. Stag's Leap Winery founded in 1893. Um, so some really like rich in history properties that come from Napa. So Treasury Wine Estates is a, a subgroup. It's a portfolio. Um, um, so we're me. a supplier. We're a parent company for all of these beautiful wineries. And um, um, we are uh, uh, publicly traded on the Australian stock market. So we're... So yeah. it's Australian origin. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Because we own Penfold, so we're based out of Melbourne, Australia. All yeah. right. And then um, somewhere in the '90s, um, Behringer was bought by Wolf Blass yes. and became Behringer Blass, uh, which then became Foster's. Foster's. And then Foster's decided to divest <laughs> yes, they their did. wine interests. What was that? Oh seven. <laughs> yeah, and Treasury <laughs> Wine Estates was formed out of that. Yeah. Um, and thank goodness we only do wine. We're not like bigger companies that that dive into flavored spirits and beers, whatever else we think is going to be Luxury the hot goods, trend. We, scarves, yeah, perfume. I mean, we we stick to wine and we stick to properties that really have an amazing story to tell. That's pretty neat. And yeah. How. For Treasury, you are your role for Treasury is um, I I'm in the education. I'm the senior education manager for the Americas. So I travel around the United States, Canada, Latin America, um, training our ambassador distributors, um, just kind of being a brand ambassador for the whole portfolio. And how many wines in your portfolio? You think? Um, I mean, wines? I say think because I don't want you to. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 120? No, more than that. Really? Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you counted each winery and their offerings, sure. um, okay. I would say probably around 300. Wow, that's maybe, big. Something like that. That's big. Um, and and what I love about our company is that we offer quality at every price point. So, yes, a lot of people look at Behringer and go, oh, White's Infidel. I know that. Um, <laughs> it's a good one. It's a it's the best one that there is. Is that classic? Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is, in fact. I would think. I mean, we use it in WSET to, yeah, to show be. people the difference of, you know, a $5 kind of 
what goes into the production of that style of wine versus a hundred and fifty dollar bottle of Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa. So, we 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 um. We have something for everyone, which is what I like about our portfolio. Yes, for the uh, the gourmand, the consumer, the expert, and the novice, or somebody who j- just enjoys wine and doesn't want to think about it. I think exactly. sometimes we think too much as a sommelier. Totally. I'm always asked to look at the wine list. No, well, I should because I know you guys. But <laughs> I want someone else to pick the wine, so I don't yeah. have to think about it, so I can just enjoy yeah. it. It's like... I want to cook my meal. No, I go to a chef to do that. I see it on the menu, but even that, just give me the taste of omakase. <laughs> yeah, and and a lot of times there are plenty of occasions where you don't want a really complex, difficult wine. Blemberger. You just want something that is quaffable, easy to drink, you know, kind of like I used to judge a lot of wine competitions and it would be like, he's are, is this a Tuesday night wine or is this a Saturday night wine? You is, know? Is there a Monday night wine? <laughs> <laughs> That's called gin. It's a box. It's in a box. No. Uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Speaking with Jillian Spallance, and she, uh, where do you hail from? Are you, are you a California by name? Uh... No, I'm from New York originally. Really? So, yeah. Upstate then? Um, Long Island. Long Island. Long there Island. it came in. Then I heard just a little bit of yeah, it. Yeah, but well, live in Napa now, which is a great place to be, obviously, if you love wine. And the, um, and, and the Mediterranean and olives and... Yep, that's all Oxbow we do Market is and, cook great food and drink great wine and appreciate our friends, work hard, play hard. Um, it's a good lifestyle. It is a very good lifestyle. Yeah. Um, and even though we are uh, uh, maturing like a fine wine, <laughs> uh, we still have fun. Yeah. How many master sommeliers are there now? I know that, were you there in, in um, St. Louis? I was not. No, um, I was at the master's theory exam in Dallas, um, but I was not at this one, probably close to 200 in the United States now. Yeah. Um, and really strong community here in Seattle. It's, so uh, it's I urge very... I urge your listeners to go out to the restaurants and engage with these sommeliers. They know what they are talking about. They will guide you um, in the right direction. Yeah, super exciting, of course. Uh, yeah. Bastille, Canlis, uh, Wild Ginger. I know. I, I asked them to change that party tomorrow night to tonight because I'm leaving town. <laughs> they didn't want to do it. But well, there's big, I get, apparently, there's a big party at Bastille. Big <laughs> party, for sure. I get that part. Uh, hey, speaking with Jillian Gallant uh, <laughs> uh, with Treasury Wine Estate, she's a master sommelier, one of the few in the world. And uh, we'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's live, he's local, he's all Northwest. Lars Larson, weekdays noon to 3, Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round two. Hope you got something tasty in your glass or heading someplace delicious. Lots of great restaurants out there. And, of course, it is harvest time here in Washington State. we got the white wines coming in. The red wines are coming in as well. Um, lots to do, lots to see, lots to smell. Wine is in the air. And uh, wine is in the air in the studio. I've got Jillian Balance, who is a master sommelier. She is the director of education for the Treasury Wine Estates Group, based out of Melbourne, Australia, because they started with a couple Australian wineries, like one called Penfold, which has um, some grangy wine, some yeah. rangy wine. Uh, Jillian, welcome back. We are um, chatting about your history. You live in Napa Valley now. If you were to describe Napa Valley wine to a basic consumer says, I want to drink Napa Valley, but how do I know that it tastes like Napa Valley? What would you say? Um, well, that's a, you know, a 
That's a loaded question. Totally loaded. <laughs> um, and I think uh, I think of Napa Valley as being a very small valley, but with a huge reputation, right? I mean, it's only about 30 miles long, five miles at its widest point. Um, it contributes to maybe four to five percent of the total California production, right? But twenty five percent of the revenue. So Napa Valley is about luxury, right? And when we think of luxury, we think of regal wines. Bordeaux certainly pops into mind, and it's based on Cabernet Sauvignon, which is um, far and above the best performing varietal in Napa because of the warm Mediterranean climate. The diversity of the soils, all of those things um, that Mother Nature gifts us with to make really outstanding Cabernet um, and Cabernet blends. And all that put together, what would be the profile of a wine that came from Mediterranean climate, perhaps a somewhat diverse soils with quality winemaking and you know all the bells and whistles you need for a great production site? Absolutely. You know, and I've been studying wine for most of my adult life. I think that a wine should always taste like the place that it comes from. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but um, but certainly when you put there's a your... town called Good and a town <laughs> called Nice. <laughs> <laughs> when you put your nose into a glass of Napa Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, you kind of know it. It it um, it has something that you can identify with, um, and so for me, it's it's usually lots of great dark fruit. Um, you know, really well farmed. You can't really mess around in Napa Valley. Uh, um, no experimenting you, there. There's no experimenting. Um, no AXR one at, at, at four hundred and fifty thousand dollars an acre. Um, if you owned a vineyard there, there's no no experimentation. Um, you you have to grow fruit well um, and grow it in the right places and be very um, aware of of. Um, you know, just kind of the the surroundings, the climate, the soil type, everything. This being late September, has um, harvest begun? Yeah, it has. Um, certainly a lot of uh, white grapes are starting to come in from Carneros. Um, it was a little delayed because we had, I think uh, two weeks ago, we had a cold spell. Oh. Which was very welcomed, actually, yeah, by the winemakers because for... it just kind of slowed everything down and put everything back in check because what you really want is, you know, towards building up to harvest, you just want a long, slow um, progression of the temperatures. You you just want the grapes to have a chance to be physiologically ripe yeah. instead of just pushing the sugars up and getting heat waves. I like to say um, it's like a fruit pie. You, it can be the middle can be ready to eat, but you need that crust to get dark and crunchy <laughs> exactly. and to have it be perfect bite. Exactly. And like, so for our first wine, um, the Nakeda Mali single vineyard Petit Syrah, I was in that vineyard tasting grapes two weeks ago and the seeds were still green. So, um, which is really bitter. Yeah. 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 You, you want the that, seeds like, to be brown before you even think and about crunchy. Like yeah. you almost want to eat them at that point. Exactly. They pop. Exactly. Um, so. Well, let's talk about some wine. Sure. You, we've got three glasses poured here. Mm -hmm. Obviously, uh, 1% of your portfolio, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, I think of Treasury Wine Estates kind of like Napa Valley. We we have a huge reputation um, because we base it on, on really the history and 
and the quality of of the of what's in the glass. But um, so the first wine is the Stag's Leap Winery Nicadimali Vineyard uh, Petit Syrah, and this vineyard was planted in 1929. So it's one of the older vineyards in Napa Valley. Um, I like to compare um, vines to people that as you grow huh. older. You may not produce as much fruit. Hair. <laughs> you, you're not you're not overproducing, but what you're producing is of great compelling qualities and complexities, right? I don't say you, much, but when I do, you better listen. Exactly. Funny. <laughs> and this vineyard has so much to say. It's um like I said, planted in nineteen twenty nine to eighteen different varietals. So is that the one on the far right by the wall? Yep, it yeah. is. Yeah. And it's dry farmed, it's five acres. I mean, we only get Maybe 500 cases out of this this vineyard. Right. Um, I remember it was almost, was it bushvine train? They it seem- is. Yeah, it's all bushvine. Um, so really old school kind of California sprawl right. um, versus the modern training methods. No but, mini um, malls there, though. I saw. No. But um, you said 18 varietals. Now, yeah, are some of those 17. white? Yes. Is there some Marsan there's in there? There's Muscat. Muscat. Um, yeah, there's there's a couple different variations of of Muscat clones, um, but it's mostly Petit Syrah and Grenache, Mavedra. Um, right. Uh, yeah, a lot of different things. Sanso, I think, or there's some Sanso. There's um, Burger. Um, wow. So the second proprietor of Stag's Leap Estate, and I I do. You know, when people ask me to compare Stag's Leap Winery to Stag's Leap Wine Cellars, I just say, well, we were there first because <laughs> we were a winery by 1895. So, um, you know, you have that. All right. So and, we got a winery, a petite Syrah, and it's Nicati Malie. Yep. And that means that's that's Latin. Latin for never give in to misfortune because our first founder of the property, that was his, his family motto. And um, our third owner, Carl Dumani, really championed the Petit Syrah varietal. He rescued all the vines that were on property because Petit Syrah is not easy to grow. So it doesn't have um, a significant footprint in Napa Valley. There are some old vines um, up on Hell Mountain, like the Frediani family. Turley has their Hain Vineyard, but it's not a very common varietal. Um, So we have chosen to kind of Keep it alive. Keep it going. There's a restaurant, I believe, that's been pouring uh, Stagsley Petit Syrah for 20-plus yeah. years now. The Met. The Metropolitan <laughs> Grill, if I recall. Yeah, yeah. That's really cool to have something that is as iconic wine. That's an iconic wine because it's it's one of the first ones in Napa, yep. if not the first, that's yep. been rescued. Yeah. And I know we were chatting about classic versus iconic. Uh, it's both. Yeah, it, it is. It's classic winery, but an iconic wine. It definitely is. And I can see why it would succeed in a steakhouse if you think about a, you know, like a fatty piece of ribeye. Petite Syrah is very tannic naturally because the berries are small and the skins are thick. So you get a lot of rich tannin out of the wine. And um, what a perfect place. Let's I, talk about the flavors that we have in this yeah. Petite Syrah. Mm-hmm. And Napa vintages, I think it's probably one in every seven years or six years that there's a challenge, whether it's be, unfortunately, fires or um, mm-hmm. some... Well, they pray for rain, but they don't want it in September, but they'll take it, I guess. What are some of the challenges in Napa Valley? Um, I mean, I think like the rest of the world, shortages of water are certainly, you know, yeah, at the forefront. Just yeah. like Australia. How about that? Yeah, totally. And um, I mean, Australia is so close. The the ozone layer kind of opens up there. So if they get any rain, it it is it evaporates immediately Into in space. Australia. So they they have a real issue as as do we. But um, 
But yeah, I think water, I think um, certainly climate change is, is relevant. I find that it's more, you know, it, it shows its um, effects more so in extreme climates sure. versus kind of the middle ones, right? Right. So like you look at Germany, we think of it as being so cold and northern European. You go down into the south and they're growing Syrah now. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah. Wow. Right, Syrah. You know, <laughs> so... Um, well, speaking uh, of Syrah, Petite Syrah, when you think of the flavors, it's dark-fruited flavors, but yeah. are we looking more at, like, black fig, black plum, blackberry? Um, it doesn't quite have the herbal expression of Cabernet. It does not. Um, it's definitely more of a peppery, spicy, get a lot of dried herbs. Um, Petite Syrah is really, you can see the dark color here. It has about, um, so Christophe Pobert, who's our winemaker at Sexley Winery, doing a fantastic job. We just got in the top 100 wines of the world um, by wine enthusiasts, so that's amazing. But um, he loves Petite Syrah. He says it has six to seven times the amount of anthocyanins as Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, that's what makes it so dark, dark. and uh, mysterious. Yeah, so we don't have to macerate the skins with the juice for a long time. But but layers and layers, right? There's like lavender, dried herbs, licorice, um, black that's pepper, that cocoa, purple mocha. floral note. I was like, I'm just like, what yeah. is that? Is that geranium? Is it yeah. something? Um, yeah. So cool. A wine like this, um, is this something you lay down for a while? You're looking for some resolution here? Or? Absolutely. Okay, good. Yeah. But, I mean, you don't have to. I think I, that's... It's tasty now. That's why I'm like, gosh, is there well, more expression? Well, we opened expression? it a couple of hours oh, ago. Oh, this is true. You did. <laughs> and, I, and I thought it should be a lot tighter. You're right. We, we tasted that at um, the uh, tastings today. And, of course... And then I Ubered over with it. So the Uber <laughs> ride probably... <laughs> Hey, you're talking about Seattle streets, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> Probably uh, broke up some of those flavor compounds a little bit, but yeah. um <laughs> Yeah, and luckily you didn't break down our streets. Seattle's kind of a mess, but uh we are having more fun than uh is legitimately possible here in studio uh with Jillian Balance, Master Sommelier with Treasury Wine Estates. Hey folks, we've got uh, some iconic wines, some classic wines to taste right here on Happy Hour Radio. Tune it in and turn it up. Cruise home with Kirby. The Kirby Wilbur Show, live and local. Weekdays, 3 to 6 p.m. KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Somalier, Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for round three. Hope you got something taste in your glass. I have three bottles of wine, courtesy of Treasury Wine Estates and the lovely Jillian Balance, the Master Somalier. Uh, she's the uh, executive director of education for Treasury Wine Estates, based in Melbourne, Florida. We just tried the Stag's Leap, uh, the original Stag's Leap, and this is S apostrophe, right? Uh, yep, correct. <laughs> <laughs> but it used to be apostrophe. <laughs> okay, so we had a little uh, yeah. little tete tete down there, but uh, it all worked out amicably. Um, we taste the Petite Syrah, an iconic wine, uh, Vineyard 1929. This is in that sixty dollars price point, fifty five. Where's it at? Yeah, right Six, around there. Sixty, sixty five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you have uh, a wine here that I've never had, but you mentioned that it's it's a significant um, vineyard called Hewitt. Yes. Um, Yeah. So this is um, uh, a vineyard. It's about 80 acres. It's pure Rutherford bench land. So it's on that um, western edge, kind of pushing up into the Mayakamas range. And um, just 
it the the vineyard itself just glow, grows some glorious fruit. A uh, percentage of it has been going into our Beaulieu Vineyards uh, George de la Tour Cabernet Sauvignon for a number of years because you can taste um, the expression, right? The intensity. Um, Hewitt Vineyard was planted originally in 1880, um, and so it's a pretty historic site. That's pretty neat. Yeah. And uh, so this is part of the BV family, the Bullion Vineyard family? Well, or? it's now part of Treasury Wine Estates. It was originally kind of um, the single vineyard of Provenance Winery, oh, Provenance. which is kind of considered to be the newer addition to the Bullion Vineyard family, like kind of a, a younger brother, so to speak. And we certainly share a lot of the same sources. So Bullion Vineyard's um, has about 1,200 acres in the Rutherford AVA, and there right. are 6,500 total. So we have a very significant chunk right in that that heart, the meat of Rutherford Valley. <laughs> the dusty part? <laughs> the dusty part, yeah. Well, um, I tell you, I tasted this wine about yeah. two and a half hours ago, and I thought it was a little still tight. Here, yeah. this wine has opened up. It's it's offering a lot more personality, a lot more Cabernet Sauvignon um, uh, characteristics. It's certainly plush. Yeah. The pH is, is, I like a high pH. I think California has mastered high pH. Um, and plush mouthfeel. I don't know how they do it. It just must be Hollywood or something. So Trevor Durling, who is now the chief winemaker at Bullion Vineyards, actually made this Hewitt Vineyard. And not that I'm a big point follower, but I mean, 98 points from James Suckling for this wine. And this has not been released yet, but it will be very soon. Um, That's is, a lot is, of points. I mean, you, when you get that. Point. Yeah. There's... 91, 92, okay. But 98, look, yeah. someone's significant is talking about that wine. Mm-hmm. Yep, and um, I feel like this wine tastes like it comes from one vineyard site, definitely. So, And 100% Cabernet Sauvignon? Um, 98 98, how about, how about, appropriate. A little bit of Cab Franc. 98 points, For 98%. Whatever. Yeah. Um, this is a really delicious wine. I, I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. I think Pro- Provence, Provence Winery was one of the... Better, I would say values, and I think as a as a consumer, I'm looking for values too. Um, but for California Cab, I think Provenance had great value. Absolutely, and I mean this Hewitt is, um, I mean it's, it is one of the great vineyard sites in Napa Valley, and this retails for around 135 or 150 dollars. So. Like if you and I went to go and buy this vineyard and make a wine from it tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, it is laughable. Hold on, I got a scratch um, <laughs> ticket here. <laughs> I mean, we would have to probably charge three times the amount. But again, it's like you look at the wineries that have owned the vineyards long enough um, that can still offer the value, but with that great kind of regal profile. I mean, this wine is, it expands on your palate. It just, the finish going. goes on forever. I'm so and- pleased that it's it's much more delicious than when I first said, like, wow. Yeah. It was so close, like, mm, and I got some of that, but typically when you're thinking California Nap- Napa Cab, you're like, oh, it's going to hit me and be plush, and like, mm-hmm. mm, it wasn't there, but now it's like, okay, this is a very seductive, generous wine. Absolutely. Without being, um, you know, forceful or, um, it just... I, Bombastic, I, it's not. To me, it's more of, of a modern take of Napa Valley, kind of what, what the younger winemakers are doing. So. It has character, but it's also sleek. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is polished. Uh, it's definitely New World California, uh, and it's another sexy wine. Yep, Valley uh, Floor. 
You know, I mean, even though this is up on the bench land for Rutherford, but it's not considered like a mountain site where you get tons of tannin. Yeah. And kind of the wind uh, and the diurnal shift. Some and all that. more austerity out of the wines. This is valley floor, so you're getting plush, ripe Cabernet fruit. Uh, delicious wine. Um, for Treasury Wine Estates, do you have a, a website that people can go find more about your portfolio, learn some of the, the educational tools you might have online? Um, yeah, it's treasurytrue.com. So it's treasurytru.com. Yeah, and there's a link to it if you just go to Treasury Wine Estates. But you can also just go to the website of any of these wineries, too, and, and find out more information. All right, sure. that's Hewitt, H-E-W-I-T-T, Hewitt Vineyard. It's 2015 uh, Rutherford. My eyes. Yeah, it's Rutherford. Yeah, Rutherford Cabernet Sauvignon. Estate grown. Excellent. Um, all right, so our third wine here is yeah. one of the iconic wines. Uh, I've always had a soft place in my heart, a special place in my heart. This might be soft. Heart arteries um, for Boyle Vineyards. And uh, this goes way back. Mm. Great story. Andre Chelichev was a huge part of it. And there's a connection with Andre Chelichev and his, uh, uh, his nephew, Alex Galitzin here in Colcita Creek. So, um, so fun to taste Georges de la Tour, uh, one of the, the most iconic wines in Napa Valley. Absolutely. And served in the White House for almost three decades. It was like the White House house wine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, who can claim that? Um, Andre Chalichev actually created the George de la Tour Private Reserve to pay homage to the founder, George de la Tour. Um, George de la Tour passed away, and I think a couple years later, Andre was just in the home cellar tasting through some barrels and found the wine to be magnificent and just decided to bottle it. And so we've been bottling Private Reserve Cabernet Sauvignon since 1936. Yeah. Um, and certainly, mm. you know, if there's a wine that deserves kind of a Grand Cru status in Napa Valley, it's probably the Beaulieu Vineyard's... Um, uh, George de la Tour. It's yeah. interesting to see. It's gone through a few iterations through the labeling. It it's has. gone some processes. I think some of perhaps um, as the wine industry gets larger and smaller at one point, conglomeration, I think you get some people coming in, hey, we got a great idea for that label. And then they go, well, that really didn't work. So this wine is actually, it looks like the regal wine that it is, right. that it has been, and it should yeah. be, and it tastes that way again. Yeah, and it's just thicker glass, I think. <laughs> little bit different label. Um, in 2008, uh, Michelle Verlong consulted for us for a while. And what I think he's a master at is creating wines with great structure, but also drinkability, like wines that will sell her for 20, 50 years, um, but also that you can drink today. Mm. And he does that through the most gentle processing of fruit you can imagine. So we actually do um, a great portion of whole berry fermentation on this wine where we just put berries into the barrel and, and, and slowly turn the barrel and the, the natural fermentation starts. It is the gentlest way that you can you play lullabies and all that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, playing classical music in the winery. No, but, um, you know, and then this wine, I mean, it's just, it's literally just a very hands-on artisanal production. Um, I want to say that over some iter some vintages, this has been 100% cab, and then recently it wasn't. Is it, was it back to a, more of a blending style wine? Or it is, but it's still, it's still 96% yeah. Cabernet Sauvignon, so there's, it's, yeah, a very high percentage. And This is really delicious. And what vintage good. is this? Um, this is the 
15. 15. Let's talk about that. Was that Let's a warm that. vintage in Napa Valley? Very, I know it was very warm in Washington State. It was a very good vintage. Um, I mean, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. We've been blessed. Um, well, so, yeah. So, like and 11. The, the 11 wasn't good. 11 was not good. <laughs> so, um, yeah. But a, again, you know, a, a company like ours just, you know, it's great that we farm from vineyards and. 14 of the 17 ABAs because we can pick and choose and we can make the very best wines that we want to every year, regardless of what Mother Nature um, decides to to give us. Because so, <laughs> we have vineyards up on Howl Mountain, Spring Mountain, Mount Veter, St. Helena, um, Oakville, Rutherford. You can literally taste your way through the valley just with our portfolio alone. So during harvest, are you participating in any fashion? or? Well, you... we do a crush camp every year where oh, really? we, we invite buyers and sommeliers oh, out fine. to uh, come and pick grapes and, and uh, crush grapes and be a part of the whole process so that's cool yeah it'll be fun it's, especially that's, down there yeah in that's the, the last weather. week of september so oh wow so fun yeah. hey folks stick around i've got jillian balance who's the master sommelier with treasury wine estates and uh we've just tasted some beautiful wines we're going to chat more about this whole master sommelier thing and some more about uh, treasury wine so stick around we'll be right back on happy hour radio Regular guys separated by 20 years and a full head of hair. Mark Lee and Van Camp, weekdays 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back. Time for our fourth and final segment with the lovely Jillian Balance, the Master Sommelier out of Napa Valley, who's uh, bringing... Uh, well, just fantastic gifts, offerings of wine <laughs> to your The thunder. Truly. The thunder. Brings the thunder. <laughs> Thunderstruck. We need some of that. we got to play those royalties. Um, okay, so we had some good wine, uh, fantastic wine, Stag's Leap, Nikita Malise, uh, Mali, the Hewitt Vineyard, 2015 Cabernet Sauvignon, Rutherford Estate Grown, and the BV Georges Latour, uh, 2015 um, Private Reserve, fantastic mm-hmm. wines. You are Master Sommelier. You achieved your, your gold pin in uh, uh, seven years ago. Eight years ago. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. 2012. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, was that your first attempt, second attempt? What did it take Third. you? Third. <laughs> Third. Yeah. Okay. And there's there's no shame in that because we, I tell you, we feel like we failed. We feel like we let ourselves down, and it's true. But it's getting up. It's getting up. I mean, I almost wish that it took me seven or eight times because then I would have you know, you continue studying. We say that you're a better master sommelier if it took you eight or nine attempts because you've had to study for nine years. I was fortunate. I'll yeah. say fortunate because I'm in advanced. I missed theory. I missed tasting and aspirin. Mm. I missed theory. Then I got it. So, but those four years, I had a great relationship, learned to make relationships with all these great sommeliers. Absolutely. That's the wonderful part about it is that you really feel a part of something. Um, I've never been a big Relig- you know, religious person, but I understand not why. Not a sorority girl? Uh, not a sorority girl, <laughs> but I but I understand why people form these bonds um, over something that they're passionate about. And, um, you know, certainly going for that exam, I've had, I've 
created lifelong friendships through it. Yes, so. and it's a lot of respect um, and a yeah. lot of admiration. Uh, I, I'm just so pleased again to have our four new master sommeliers here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, and it's Rob a record, Ward. man. It's a record. Oh, 24. You made it all look easy, folks. <laughs> <laughs> so um, a lot of people ask me, uh, of course, what's your favorite wine, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But um, I want to be a sommelier. What do I have to do? Um, what's your advice well, to that open-ended question? I, I, I feel as though many people think that they want to be sommeliers, but uh, then when it comes down to actually being a sommelier, it's, you know, not... The, I want to show off is what I want yeah, to do. Yeah, it's not the glamorous um, role. You know, certainly, like when I started at Windows on the World, I was a seller rat. That's what they called me because you never saw the rats. They were moving around the cellar, pushing the cases around, breaking open the boxes, getting dusty and dirty for 12 hours a day. That is that is a part of being a sommelier. And, and a very important part. You a, have to be organized. You have to be organized and you have to, you have to make that list look good every night. And then you have to look good on the floor <laughs> selling the wine. And That's the, why I use Dones. Dones. <laughs> And in a lot of cases, that's the same role. I mean, things have changed a little bit over time, but, um, you know, back when I started in this um, in New York, I would go to some freestanding restaurants to work and you were the receiver of the wines. You processed the invoices for the wines. You broke the wines out of the boxes. You stocked them in the cellar. You made sure the list was correct. And then you were on the floor um, serving three to 500 diners a night. So yeah, it, it's it's a big job. It's a big task. I think a lot of achieving kind of a, you know, the master sommelier diploma is is all of that work experience that folds into it because it's invaluable. I was going to uh, say, I'm wondering if these this the shows, the saw movies, the. Uh, uh, Make encore. it seem a little glamorous. Yes, that it's it's more it's easier. It's a little more reality <laughs> TV driven than it is. You know, it is it definitely. Yeah, absolutely. But that's just a sign of the times, right? You this can is true. you can say that about pretty much any any uh, kind of industry where there's look a... how look how glamorous homeless is. You're on the road, <laughs> exactly. no alarm clock. All right. Okay. Um, but I do have to say, um, you know, honestly, the thing that drove me into the wine business initially was I enjoyed selling it and I enjoyed watching how it transformed a normal evening into something magical. And I think it's not just about the food. It is about what you're having with the food. Um, And it's something that's overlooked quite a bit too. If you go to a restaurant and you see wines that don't match a menu, they're so different. Like somebody's not thinking about that that kind of symbiotic thing that should be happening. It's that could the, enhance it. It is one of the most important things, and it's certainly something that you overlook in exams. As you know, the advanced exam, if you don't have an arsenal of dishes that go with wines and producers and why, you're not, you know, that's a big part of it that I think gets overlooked because you think, oh, I can pair a steak with a Cabernet. <laughs> Okay, great. How about petit sirah? How about a red wine with ceviche? You know, Ooh, can you do that? Yeah, or you a know, rose champagne, maybe, or whatever. So, wow. yeah, what a treat, uh, Jillian Balance. Uh, great to meet you in person. Likewise, and spend some time. Thanks for sharing Treasury Wine Estates and joining me in Happy Hour Radio. You bet. 
Hey, it's folks, uh, treasurytrue.com. Um, I think that was it, Treasury yeah. United States. Look it up. Yep. And remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers!